The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. I'm your host, Tani Levitt, and I'm joined, as always, by College Basketball's Assist King, Jerry Meyer. Jerry, let me tell you a story. In 10th grade, I... <laughs> oh, we're going yeah, Oh, yeah, we're, we're, going, we're going back. In 10th grade, I, I had this, this crazy teacher in 8th period, and one day we were, we were bad in class. We, we were disruptive or whatever, and he went on a rant. And, and all of a sudden, he's looking at us so serious, so, so serious. And he says, my day was perfect until eighth period. And we were the obviously the problem in eighth period. And, and for me, my day was perfect until last night. I had prepped a wonderful show for our listeners. I had done research. I had pre-recorded a whole thing about Virginia's offense. And all that's out the trash now because two top five teams lost last night. And I, I, I am livid. So I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, what are your instant reactions from Louisville, Texas Tech? Uh, you know, instant reaction is realizing how we all overreact from game to game you know michigan was the greatest and they got spanked by louisville and louisville's the greatest and they get beat by texas tech i think college basketball is so erratic it's so one night can be one night one night can be the next night i think energy level of teams so you see like a penn state playing penn state at home that's a tough one and that's why that point spread swung to to penn state because i think the smart money was like Penn State's good. I mean, their name might be Penn State, but it don't matter the name on the jersey. They have good veteran players, and they're at home, and it means everything to them. That's going to be a tough game for Maryland. So, you know, college basketball, just you never know. Maryland has yet to win in Penn State since moving to the Big Ten. Well, I did not even know that. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's it's football and basketball. Penn State's always been trouble for the Terps, but and we'll get to the Terps later. And I'll try to keep it in check for those of you who don't know. I am a Terps fan, and I'm not full, apologizing. Full disclosure. Yeah, full disclosure. Exactly. Full disclosure. I'll try to rein you in. <laughs> yeah, I try to rein myself in. I know my mom's listening to this podcast, so I try to try to keep it in check. But uh, back to back to Louisville and Texas Tech. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched Texas Tech play against DePaul last week, and and I had two takeaways: one, that they are a really good passing team, and two, obviously a tremendous defensive team. And, and right. we saw both of those things last night. Right. They they have their system of defensive play, and they execute it extremely well. Kind of the old school force it baseline, keep it out of the middle, ready to give that early help on the baseline. Uh, switching screens, which about you know. When it's small on small or big on big, you know, the screening action, most everyone's switching that now. It just makes sense. You got to. But they know what they're doing. Chris Beard's a great coach. I, I, I'm a huge Chris Clark fan. I mean, there probably can't be a player in the country who impacts the game. You know, was he average now? Eight points a game. I think he's right at that. Only had seven points. You know, and last night, and Jay Billis kept saying, you know, he has to have a huge scoring night. I just look at it differently. 
He needs to have a 12 rebound, six assist night. <laughs> you know? is, is that what he put up? Yeah. Wow. I mean, he, he is their point guard. Yeah. You know, they, they can name positions however they want. The ball is in his hands. He's our leading assist guy. He's a rebounder. He's a physical presence. Um, I mean, he, he was outstanding, like... and that Benson guy is giving him great minutes off the bench. Yeah, Benson, I, I was going to talk about that. 22 minutes from a former walk-on. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought? Jamius Ramsey doesn't even play, obviously, as Texas right. Tech. And he's a great talent. Best leading player. Scorer. Yeah, best player, leading scorer. Apparently, Matt Norlander, our buddy over at CBS, he said in his piece after that Jamius Ramsey was begging Chris Beard to play, and Beard held him out for health reasons, and, and, and mm-hmm. mad props to Chris Beard. Obviously, this is a crucial, crucial game. For Texas Tech, there they were coming off a three-game losing streak, really coming into you know calling this team into question, and he still held his best player out. I really, really respect that. But you know, uh, Benson, what is it? I, like this is this well, he's is a pretty good player and plays with a lot of heart, a lot of hustle. Because he's an underdog guy. He plays like an underdog. That's what happens when you have lefties on the floor. I'm a lefty guy. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm left-handed. Oh, I, love I didn't lefties. know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, so lefties, you know, they're in the the right brain. so clever so clever um so the the one one more thing before we move on after the game a lot of people were talking about louisville's point guard play Mm -hmm. and whether or not you know it's going to be a problem what's your take on that well you know darius perry's not a scorer i don't know what exactly is the criticism i I watched probably 40 percent of the game yeah Um, i think people just you know they didn't have good games i mean i'm looking at their numbers i think people were criticizing their ability to facilitate the offense more than anything or to create offense yeah anyone can dribble down pretty much and facilitate it greg paulus did that (laughs) you you pass the ball to the wing you hit the high post former i'm assuming it's more they can't create offense Mm -hmm. when facilitating the offense is not enough uh yeah darius perry's not an offensive player you know kimball looked good against ohio state at home obviously he did not have a good game you know so I, i don't know if there's an ultimate judgment for the season but obviously they weren't good offensively that night mm-hmm. um, you know I would talk more about Nawara having a bad game oh, yeah, you know I mean, one of, 4 of 16 1 of 7 you know sometimes we overlook the obvious <laughs> he's our star player he's had over 17 points a game this season which is amazing to be averaging I think 22 right mm-hmm. you know like he's a very consistent performer he had a bad night <laughs> It's true. And, for, you know, from one team that, that couldn't uh, put it together on the offensive end to another, Maryland travels to Happy Valley and, and takes a loss. The The betting line had moved to Penn State minus two just before the game. Obviously, Maryland goes down by seven. It's completely incapable of, of uh, doing anything uh, coherent on the offensive end from, from my end. I, mm-hmm. I'm going to defer to you before. Well, they I... couldn't make a pass at the beginning of the game. <laughs> at the beginning of the game? What about the middle and the end also? <laughs> I hear you. Was, I, I missed the middle. I watched the it end was, of this one as well. You know, I had to, you know, there's four games going on. It's true. It's so true. So I was jumping around and I watched. I taped it. Watched ball this morning before we came in. You know what? What I'll say about Maryland is, I told you off air. I think there were 12 or 13 different lineups for Maryland in the game, and their best lineup, their small lineup with Cowan at the one, Ayala at the two. Wiggins at the four with Marcel at the three, and then obviously Sticks. That's been their best lineup all year, and we didn't see it once. Because you would you would think Marcel would be a good matchup for Stevens, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. They had they had the Wiggins, lineup they played. They had Wiggins they on had, Stevens most most of the game. Most of the game, and then they started, I think, with Sticks on them. 
yeah, if they, I remember correctly. The whole um, thing they played, they played very it seemed scared. A lot. It seemed like a Marcel Stevens matchup was meant to be. Yeah, and and the weird maybe thing they is, didn't. Coach Sturgeon didn't didn't like it. They they hid. They never had right. So Penn State's best player outside of Stevens is Watkins, and pretty much not once did I see sticks on Watkins and for some reason Turgeon didn't like that matchup. He, he he started one of the Mitchell twins, I forget which, to put on Watkins, had had sticks over there on Stevens and the whole game I just felt like uh, Turgeon was coaching from behind. It was very confusing. Well, <clears throat> you you have more context and insight it, it, <laughs> on the intricacies of Maryland. I don't know if that is indeed a fact, but as, I don't know that it's not. It's, so. it's, defi- it's definitely an opinion, yeah. not a fact, and, and that, that's mine, though I do know I share it with some other Maryland people. But let's go to the other side of the ball. Penn State has been a team that the numbers have been high on all year. They've been like top 30 in Ken Palm for most of the season, and now they got a signature win. And a lot of people are saying, you know, okay, they're locked for the tournament, and I think so too. This is a really, really strong team, fundamentally sound, and I like the way that they pass the ball, move the ball on offense. Yeah, they're a good team. And they have five guys that can play offensively. Uh, you know, nothing's a lock necessarily technically because they could go on to lose a bunch of games, but they're a tournament team. So we can assume that's not they're legit. I, I was very impressed with Penn State. I want to go back to the Louisville Guards, though. Yeah, let's um, hear it. Part of that's Texas Tech. You know, they're, they're so adamant about not letting the ball into the middle. <clears throat> so they're forcing guys baseline. I don't think that's in either of those players' best interest because especially Kimball, kind of an undersized guard. So a lot of that's the structure of Texas Tech's defense. I, I wouldn't – I'm not saying Louisville has the best guards in the country, point guards, but I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't push the panic button. I mean, that's my ultimate takeaway – from this early college season is one night's one night, the next night's the other night. And so we may need a little more sample size before we start making major judgments on teams. Because, I mean, they're college kids. It's college basketball. It's it's very erratic. Yeah, one thing, you know, I, I took away from last night was that last night kind of felt like a referendum on good coaching. That, you know, really I saw Chris Beard all over that win over Louisville. I saw Scott Drew have another impressive win for Baylor. And, you know, again, watching Maryland, I was just really, really disappointed to see Mark Turgeon and his coaching. And and so I wanted to ask you, you know, I guess how, how much of these systems can we really attribute to the coaches, do you think, and how much of it do you think is the players? Uh, coach, coaching is very important. Players more so. But the coaches shape the players. Uh, when it, when you come to game plans, you have a certain game plan. I think what's more important is just the total program and having a system of play that is ingrained in the preseason. And you ha- you create an identity of how we play. You, know, you tweak things for different teams. Uh, game planning is very important. But it ultimately comes down to a coach. It's not necessarily how smart a coach is, <clears throat> how much basketball he knows. It's getting his players to execute. Mm-hmm. So I can be half the coach as the other guy. But if I can get my team to execute, let's say at 80%, however you could quantify that, <laughs> we'll just hypothetically you know, throw out numbers here. And then that other coach might be twice as good to use a coach as far as knowing the game, having knowledge. Of, but if he doesn't get his players to execute it, so what? 
So that's why it's so night tonight. I mean, these coaches, I, I think they're all good coaches. Yeah. Um, and one night, Turgeon's going to look like the better coach than the other guy because maybe they had a better game plan or maybe the team executed. You know, the team made the plays. It, it, ultimately, it comes down to the players. Yeah. Yeah, with Chris Beard, though, it's just it's, it's wild. You know, when you talk about consistent- Well, they have that system. They have that defensive system. Exactly. It's kind of like a man-to-man. It, it's an anomaly. It, it, it's not that crazily of different, but it's a little extreme the way they funnel the ball baseline. No one really does that quite so much anymore. That used to be the in vogue style um, in the 80s, uh, 90s, 70s, you know, before the change of the century. And like the uh, Syracuse zone is something different that you have to specially prepare for. And that takes a lot of time and energy out of a team. So that has a lot to do with Texas Tech's success. And then and they have so many players that are versatile. They can, you know, they're interchangeable parts. Uh, they've gone full blown with that and they're athletic. Yeah, I mean, and it's not, but it's not just that at Texas Tech, right? Chris Beard has been doing this for years. Thirty wins at Arkansas Little Rock. Yeah, you the know, guy he, coach. <laughs> he gets his team. The guy, he has a unique system, you know, not crazy unique, but a little different. And he gets his guys believe they execute, and and it's not just believe. It it has to do with practice, getting the proper repetitions, practicing with a game like mentality. That's so important in coaching. Um, all the good teams, you know, they have great practices. You don't see a great team that isn't a great practice team. Yeah, and and from one from one defensive team to another, I've I've been saying all season, even despite this three uh, this three game loss and losing streak. Yeah, try that again. I've been saying all season, even though. Uh, Texas Tech has been on this three-game losing streak. They are the defensive team for me that I can see making a run. Whereas Virginia, that has been ranked ahead of them all season with an offense like theirs, and and like I said at the top, I I had a whole thing about Virginia's offense that I can, but basically no team with an offense as bad as Virginia's has made it past the uh, to the Elite Eight in the past three years, and just two have made it to the, I'm sorry, just three have made it to the Sweet 16 in the past five years. And you know, it was a mixed bag week for them. They 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 really um, locked up North Carolina, but then they, but they also got blown out by Purdue. What what are you seeing with Virginia? Um, they're they're not as good as they were last year because their players aren't as good. That's for you sure. Know, they lost NBA type players. Um. I'm sure they're going to get better. They might look like a different team, but, but like, right, right now they, I'm not that impressed. Are they going to get better? Like what? There, there's no room for them to get better on defense, right? That that is clear. They're the they are historically good defense. That's not the case. I mean, you really think they could get better? They're holding. They're holding. Every uh, team can get better. I don't understand oppo- where you're coming from because they're holding opposing defenses to like a never before, uh, never heard of uh, level. Like they're holding most of their. They're not against Purdue. Yeah, well, Purdue is. So aside. they could get better against a team like Purdue. And I'm just saying, know, like, what what juggernauts did they hold in such low numbers? Nobody. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, I, I mean, North Carolina. They beat North Carolina pretty handily. I would not call them a juggernaut. No, that's for sure. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think. I think this North Carolina team is is woeful. To be honest, I I don't see the talent. <clears throat> um. So anyway, 
I think any team can get better. I kind of get what you're saying. Like they're already holding teams. Well, let's let's set the numbers. defense aside for a second. Like where where do you see an opportunity for Virginia to get better on offense? Like who do you each see player stuff? gets better? No, but I'm saying like who who do you think has like right now? Like you see something in their game where like I, okay, I can see them stepping it up. Like I I, I don't see um, you know uh, Kihei Clark all of a sudden becoming a 35 percent three point shooter. Like that's just not in the cards. Yeah, I, I'm not that good at the future, but. I do know from being in basketball in my life, players get better and teams get better. Exactly how it's going to happen, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that Tony knows, and maybe it doesn't. Most teams improve. It's a matter of to what degree compared to the competition out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, would, like I would never. I would never think a Tony Bennett team is going to get worse. No. You know, no, I get what you're saying. Maybe the upside's not there. You know, I, I just, I don't know the answer. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the way I think about it is, just like, when I think about Tony Bennett teams getting better, like, I just see them as, like, some sort of vice grip where over the, over the course of the season, their defense just gets more and more locked down. And I, I feel like, you know, last week you talked about how defensive systems, you know, are, are where teams can really shine early in the year because that's something you can work on in practice. Well, I just feel like Virginia always comes into the season ahead of the curve, even on that front. But, like— For sure. <clears throat> yeah. This year, like, they, you know, I, I just feel like they came out in peak defense— Peak, peak defense, and and so we'll see. Well, you know, as as the season goes on, their uh, ACC schedule will uh, will provide them with many opportunities for us to see just how good they are on defense. And yeah, I mean, honestly, I mean, just I mean, how here's bad some they things are. you can guard against Purdue. Let's just talk about that where they weren't good. They they didn't they didn't defend off the ball screens well. I didn't see the intensity to pressure the basketball. No, they gave up um, thirteen. I didn't threes. see the intensity on when they double the post you know they're known for the big on big double i i just saw on the road dude hits a couple shots early and just they, they were back on their heels i mean so much is game for game you know I, um but anyway we, we have we will see in the coming months <laughs> yes we will um okay so so we we just got uh, pretty involved with virginia right there a lot of dmv talk so uh, let's take a break and on the other side we're going to talk about Baylor and Duke's defense. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. All right, and we're back. And last night, hidden among those two top five losses, Baylor picked up a, another really impressive win, 53-52 over Butler, who was one of the few remaining undefeated teams in college basketball. And Jerry, uh, you know, we talked about this off air. Everyone's talking about it, but Baylor has just no elite recruits, and yet here they are playing at a super high level. What do you think it is that Scott Drew is doing to get the most out of these players? I mean, they're, they're good players. They, they look strong, mature. And he's got some four-star guys that were fairly highly recruited, like a Devion De- De- Mitchell's one, or Devion Mitchell. You know, he was a four-star in like that 50 range, if I remember correctly. Mark Vital was ranked. Um, 
and then the kid who trans or decommitted from Alabama help me on his name is skipping me for a second but anyway their point guard one of the Butler Jared Butler you know they were all pretty highly regarded players but they weren't elite they weren't five stars that's for sure but it just looks like they know what they're doing they play with a lot of confidence um I like how they have guards you know they have multiple weapons at guard which you know pretty much every good team has that these days pounding the offensive uh, class they play aggressive they play physical attacking basketball great point on the offensive glass and and they attack they attack on the dribble Mm -hmm. yeah and 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 as uh as um a result of them attacking off the dribble like that, they're shooting nearly 38% from three as a team, which is, you know, just stupendous. Yeah, and, that's great. And exactly the type of basketball that you're trying to play now in, in 2019. Well, they're playing with a lot of confidence right now, mm-hmm. you know. And that might that may come and go, <clears throat> but, you know, they're, they're a good defensive team, and so you hope you can weather, you know, a poor shooting night. Yeah, I mean, and, and in this particular season, with so many big teams losing to teams, it's impressive to see, you know, we talk about this with Ohio State also, just picking up those really big wins. This is the third third big win for Baylor, and and no, no one can take away those resume items. Uh, true. Yeah. <laughs> these these are facts here on the 24-7 sports. I mean, sports. Villanova, that's huge. That and they got Arizona and Butler. You know, after watching the— uh, Only lost three points to Washington. After watching the uh, the Baylor Villanova game, I just came away with how how clean they were on the offensive end, how crisp their passes were, how they moved through their sets. And then last night I was doing research and I found out that they're more efficient on the defensive end than the offensive end. Scott Drew's really got them buzzing down in Waco. So let's move on to to Duke for a second because I know they've been off people's radar and they obviously took that shocking loss to Stephen F. Austin, one of the best stories in the college basketball season, if not the best. And yet here we here we are. Other teams are losing. Duke is nine and one, and quietly, 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 top three in most of the of the metric websites and. Uh, like top five in offense and defensive efficiency, and that was shocking to me. So last week you talked about the way Coach K does his defense, and so I wanted I wanted to talk about that uh, in particular because of the way they defended Virginia Tech. So against their against Michigan State, which we talked about last week, Vernon Carey was absolutely the star, played thirty something minutes, and then against Virginia Tech plays just fifteen minutes so that Duke can spend the whole game switching. You know, can, can you just go off? I know I know you think uh, Coach K is just a defensive uh, masterclass, so I will leave the floor to you. Well I think throughout the years here recently it's hard I would argue Coach K is one of the best man to man defensive coaches out there and it's not that it's anything tricky, but they execute. There's an attention to detail, which is bred in practice. But they know exactly what they're doing. They work on the details of man-to-man defense, such as closing out properly. I think scouting reports are good on what individual players want to do. And then they are willing to tweak things, switch more perhaps in one situation, put a different lineup. Uh the double team against Kansas, I thought was great. Um, I believe I have that right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and let's revisit that game against Kansas because, like, in the moment, we were like, "Well, this is this is an anomaly for Kansas." You know, they're never going to turn the ball over twenty eight times. That's double what they've been doing for the rest of the season. Well, and, well, maybe we should be giving more credit to Duke for that game. Well, there's like two things that stick out to me. <clears throat> One is the commitment for the big on big double team, and then they did a great job rotating on it. 
but more important, like any coach can say, we're going to do, we are going to do that. That is our game plan. It's the way they executed it, and they executed it with precision, like it's what they did all the time, and that is from practice. You know, getting the reps, the teaching, uh, getting the players to understand, getting all the players on the same page. So just out of <clears> so curiosity, to me. when when you're executing that that double on on the block, what do you expect the rest of your players doing? How are how are you? Well, they uh, got a re- what Duke I thought did a great job of. Um, one, they just going back to that Kansas game. I, they the post players for the most part did a very good job, if not almost virtually a good job making the post player catch the ball a little further from the basket um the other big man came down to double team with fervor and vigor i mean you know you weren't just going down there to trap that that just that little bit of difference in intensity can make all the difference that, that's what happened in the Maryland and then night. the other three guys what duke did a really good job of the weak side wing did a great job of protecting the basket. So when the big man for Kansas would dive to the basket, that person was there. So that person protects the basket. Then the other two guys zone up on the top. And, you know, they're not, like, denying a pass or anything. They're just trying to be in a position where they can cover three guys. You know, make um, the closeout, the closest guy closes out if they kick it out. And then – the bigs have the, the big guy who trapped us to rotate to his man. Then every you know you you finish the rotation uh, back to your spots, and they they executed that. But yeah, you got to have one guy protect the basket, then you have two guys zoning up to get the um, you know the pass out. Yeah, and one one of the hardest things about executing something like that is unlike in the NBA, the shot clock in college is thirty, and so if a team's able to pass out of that, you could be rotating for ten seconds of the shot clock. And mm-hmm. that's, you know that that's a dire situation. You know, Duke Duke obviously doesn't have a, a real challenge on their schedule until halfway through January. They've got one, two, three, seven games, seven games against teams I don't even think are close to in their league. But then eventually, like Stephen F. Austin, point taken, <laughs> point taken, point taken, Jerry. I don't I don't think they're going to be taking any any shockers after that happened this season. Typically, they, there's one a year at the most. That's right. So so they so they play Louisville uh, January 18th. But until then, they got seven games. But, but this is something to keep an eye on. You know, like we said last week, good habits are developed in games when you don't, you know, you're not challenged. And then they're they're put to the test in those big games against the Louisvilles, against the Ohio State. So so we'll see we'll see what uh, Duke is able to do about that defensively. And now I'm just curious, uh, we're, we're already hitting the back half of our uh, of our agenda here, but Ohio State also just been shockingly, shockingly good on the defensive end this year. Obviously, Caleb Wesson is looking like, and and uh, for many people, is the already uh, the front runner for Player of the Year. What are you seeing from Ohio State on the defensive end? Is this similar to Duke, where they're you know really ratcheting it up in man to man? Well, yeah, Holtman I think is a great defensive coach. Uh, there's such a great tradition throughout the Butler program mm-hmm. uh, of playing that way, and you know playing sound, tough, fundamental man to man defense. Um, they and they have. Big, strong, good athletes. <laughs> they yes, have they guys do. who are playing hard. Uh, they're to me, and I've watched one of their games closely. Um, almost a little intimidating, you know. They they just have a size and, a, and an athleticism, and they they play hard. They, I mean, they have the such game a I was watching, and I assume they're doing that in most of them because they're nine and zero. Yeah, but just kind of checking all the boxes, everything you'd want to see. 
out of a defensive team. I, um, you know, that's what I saw. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've watched more Ohio State than any other team besides Maryland, and and they come out ready to roll. And it, you know, it doesn't take them any time to ratchet up the defensive or offensive uh, intensity. Um, and one player in particular, actually, I, I've been noticing that has been key, at least in my eyes. This is this is a bit of speculation. That is Dwayne Washington. Yeah. He's shooting fifty-two percent from the field and fifty-four percent from three, which is phenomenal. Insane, really complete, uh, unsustainable is is the the real word I would use. But like, really good. You, wouldn't, and, you would expect it to go down. It, but but, but <laughs> not many guys who take the shots he takes. Make fifty four. He'll take a tough shot. But you he, know. but also one thing I've been noticing about Dwayne this this year, and he not not an elite prospect, a solid prospect, but like not a huge prospect. Is he's been really good about rotating when the ball is moving to put himself in a position to catch the ball. Yeah, shoot they're these well threes. coached, and it feels like he hits two threes in the first maybe five minutes of the game every game. And, and once that happens, again, they're really ratcheting things up. I, you know, we're not adding anything uh, groundbreaking here. It's just, you know, they, they play like that. There's something to that. Not every shot's equal. <clears throat> and I, I know you get two points, three points, but context and time of making buckets to me is very pivotal. And it's hard to and quantify, off, but it's and real. Often, oh, yeah, that, that's, that's your I, – I love analytics, <clears throat> advanced analytics. I liked looking at a stat sheet when I was 10 years old at halftime at my dad's <laughs> games. And, like, I would get my own coach's kid, got his own special print out of the stat sheet. Nice. Uh, I'm a believer in the numbers, but there are areas that you can't really quantify, such as what we're talking about, because sometimes it's really hard, and we see this, I think, quite often. College basketball games, a lot of times it's hard to score at the beginning of the game. Because hard the defense score, is fresh and – you know they got it game planned and sometimes it's both teams sometimes it's one team having trouble to score to make big shots right at the start of the game or early in the game a lot of times are huge you know because that gets a team going it gets you over up because there's a psychological thing you got a goose egg on there you know like you're getting ready to hit the first tv timeout like just the difference between you know three points a big three-pointer early in the game uh, can do a lot for a team. And in when you talk about college, it's not like the NBA. Home court advantage really matters in college way more than huge. I, you know, and and you know that was one of the things I was thinking about with Penn State last night. They had a tremendous, tremendous crowd, uh, which is not always the case out there for their basketball team. And watching them react to to their team, I really felt like you know it changed the game. Right, uh, and there's you know I would argue. Most fans um, put way too much importance on the crowd. And, and the cra- crowd can be important, but just having been a college basketball player, it, it, it's playing on your own court with the rims you practice on. Mm-hmm. You, the opponent comes into a gym. They're not used to shooting in. They're not used to passing and playing in. In the travel the staying in a hotel, not being in your own bed. To me, it's all those things yeah. that, that affect the team. And then the crowd can pile on. And, yes, a crowd can make it more difficult. But the good teams, you know, you, t- you try to put all that noise out. Now, often that can really galvanize the home team, give them a little extra energy. But 
it for a college team playing on the road is not easy and like i think nba players are more used to it more used to the travel and um home court i would argue yes in college a bigger factor yeah so so one one thing i've been meaning to ask you for a while actually is that i i heard it's completely unsubstantiated that for high school players when they do travel and they end up playing in like major arenas their sight lines they have a hard time well that's part of the deal because different gyms have different sight lines and it's a huge factor so like i played small college basketball and so we're playing in tighter gyms you know like kind of like a high school gym most of the time maybe a little bigger and you don't have as much space behind the backboard you know the backdrop mm-hmm. is tighter makes it so much easier makes you it's like have you ever shot basketball in a swimming pool you know and they have yeah. that backboard and there's nothing behind it forever yep. it's kind of hard to judge you know you need a little backdrop well then we would play the national uh, tournament would be in Kemp when I was playing it was in Kemper Arena at Kansas City and, and just oh my gosh like you couldn't we really like we would try to get out there at halftime the game before us to get mm-hmm. shots up because it was such a drastic difference. So, so now most places are big arena. You just have to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you got to do the math in your head and get used to the depth perception difference, which is difficult to do. And so even at the at the high level where you're always playing in a big arena, there's still differences. And, and especially if you go to a dome, they talk about that in the big stuff. But... Yeah, like you, you, Maryland shooting at, in Penn State's gym is just always going to be way more difficult than it is for the Penn State players to shoot at Penn State's gym just because they have familiar, familiarity. All right. Well, um, you know, usually I try I try at the end of the show to have uh, games to watch out for this week. Mm-hmm. There are a lot, a lot of good games. But one, one game I do want to point out on Saturday, we've got Duquesne against Radford. And I know people at home are like, wait, what? Well, you know what? Duquesne are one of five remaining undefeated teams. And I had lunch with, I think, a 90-year-old woman from Pittsburgh this Saturday. And she asked me to talk about the Duquesne Dukes on my basketball show. And I told her I would. So shout out to the city of Pittsburgh. Shout out to the Duquesne Dukes for staying undefeated. A really solid team. And they're playing a, a tournament team from last year, right, Radford? Uh, so be sure to check that out on Saturday. Uh, Jerry, you got any parting thoughts? Uh, Tennessee, Memphis. Oh, I'm looking yes, forward to watching that as a Nashvilleian. In between the two cities. They've been, been talking, talking trash, trash on, on Twitter, Twitter for a month. Well, they now. hate each other. Yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be the end of the – aren't they saying it's the end of the series? Well, well yeah. yeah. I mean, the coaches, coaches, I feel like the coaches well, hate each other and Barnes have beef, yeah. Give them all, all the smoke, smoke huh? Yeah. All the recruiting smoke. in Memphis is going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, I said I did the emergency pod when when James Wiseman was suspended. And I said that this is a crucial, crucial year for Penny because the the reservoir of players he worked with when he was a high school coach is going to dry up. So this this could be an enormous, enormous game for uh, recruiting in, in this state uh, for the next couple of years. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> These kids don't remember. I'm <laughs> like, look, you're recruiting a kid. You win some, you lose some. Um, a lot of that gets overhyped. I mean, it's neat for the fans, but you know, as a recruiting analyst, I, I try to press upon people: um, a high school recruit 
really isn't getting hung up on who won or lost a particular game. There's just so many other priorities in their decision making ahead of that. And no one in Memphis, everyone in Memphis knows who Penny is. And it doesn't matter if he coached you in high school or you're on his AU team. He's a legend in Memphis. And if they haven't watched highlights, which they probably have, they're too young to have watched him. Their dad, their uncle, their mom, their aunt, their grandfather, you know, he's a legend in Memphis. I think his recruiting in Memphis is going to go fine, but Tennessee is in a really good place, and they're going after Memphis kids now. It used to be, just in general, prior to Penny, um, all the Memphis kids went to either Arkansas or Memphis State back at the time, and schools like Tennessee, Vanderbilt didn't even try. You know, and maybe Ole Miss would get the bottom of the bucket of the prospects there. But times have changed, so the the game is important. I don't want to downplay too much in recruiting who wins the game or how the game goes, but there's so many more factors in that. But the fact is Tennessee is a threat now with recruiting in Memphis, a real legit threat, as is Vanderbilt, I think, with Jerry Stackhouse. Yeah, very curious to – to, to see the Stackhouse regime in Vandy. That's something I, I've been uh, keeping my eye on. Very excited to see SEC play. Um, I, I will say on the court, the Memphis-Tennessee game, far less interesting now with uh, Lester Quinones uh, out with a broken bone and James Wiseman out, obviously, with the suspension. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Very, Very disappointing. disappointing. But, but the energy, I'm sure, is going to be uh, stupendous. And I will say, I, I'm, I might just be scarred about uh, about losing players from one team to another because uh, in football, Maryland lost a commit uh, during their game to Penn State while they were getting blown out, and the kid like decommitted from Maryland and went to Penn State like mid-game. <laughs> so, like, That's I, an interesting story. <laughs> I know. So, so clearly, clearly, what we've been saying. Admit something in that game. Clearly, what we're saying is that I need to stop. I need to stop watching Maryland and start focusing on other on other teams because this is a national show, and and we've got we've got, got this. Oh, and it's over. football, and it's Penn State versus Maryland versus oh, basketball, Tennessee, Memphis. Yeah, there yeah. would be a difference there, which I don't want to explain to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, I completely understand, and and. Uh, you know, one of the things that I, I'm doing is coming to terms with my own biases. But I think that's going to do it for us this week. So be sure to check out Duquesne and Radford on Saturday. Uh, you can follow Jerry on Twitter at JerryMeyer247 for all scouting and political recruiting philosophy, like we said last week. Uh, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're feeling real nice about us, you can give five stars on Apple Podcasts. Uh, until next week, I'm Tony Levitt signing off. This is the 24-7 Sports College Basketball Show. all-star studded challenge ever and this time it's every competitor for themselves best challenge ever the challenge all-stars new season now streaming on paramount plus go to paramountplus.com to try it free terms apply